Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is this song? Black Sheep by Metric, my favorite song of all time. Does anybody truly have a favorite song? Truly. This is my favorite song of all time. (laughs) Why is it your favorite song of all time? I don't know. It's like everything I like in a song. It's kind of... It's rock and roll. It's got a funkiness to it. It's got a new wave. funky groove to it. What's toe tapping? What year did it come out? 2010. I was like nine, and it's in the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World movie. Ah. And that was like a big deal to me back then. If my favorite song came out when I was nine, it would probably be Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring. (laughs) Nice. I remember getting that CD... For, or for my birthday, and my gr- grandparents were over, and my dad was like, why don't you play that CD for uh, for Grandpa? <laughs> and I did. And Grandpa was like, wait, what? what is I'm surprised jump? his ears didn't bleed. <laughs> nice. Hey, you want to uh, hit the uh, TV remote? Toronto's on Espen 2. Oh, well, there we go. We got to see what Marquise Noel's up to. There you go. Let's see, is he on the uh, – we haven't started yet. Oh, no, we started. He has, actually has the ball right now. Marquise Noel has the ball, takes the screen, goes left, down the right side of the lane. He kicks it out. No shot. Wrist right back to Marquise. Now to Grady Dick. He wants to drive, and it's stripped it away. Jesus. Like an idiot. My God. <laughs> and then it's two-on-one on the other end. Almost gets an and-one. Who are they playing? They're playing the Pistons. Oh, God. And they just cut Grady Dick on the floor. Jayhawk basketball, Ooh, baby. That was a nice, <laughs> that was a really nice alley oop. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, re- he really did turn it over, listeners. He turned. He, that, he that did. Was yes, ugly. he did. That was just ugly. Well, it was an easy steal. It really was because he really he ran into the wingspan of a defender that was just sitting there. Right. And now uh, Detroit's shooting some free throws. I don't know how I feel about these Pistons uniforms. Oh, they've gone in these for a little bit now. 
the 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 numbers are very bold with not much out. I don't, I don't know. It beats though that weird light teal that they used to rock. Um, I miss the old Pistons logo. The, oh yeah, with the basketball. Is that, or are you talking about the one that looks like the? Um, the no, chess it's piece. like yeah, the chess piece. Uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Every NBA team had a better logo than what they have now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if there's many out there that have a better logo today than previous. You know what's funny is the Jazz. Their old school, like, Keystone Light purple jerseys back in the day. I used to think they stopped. The 90s? I thought I thought those were so dumb. And now, with just the improvements that they've made and the improvements that they've made as far as what they look like on the jersey, yes. those are popping, baby. That. Yeah. Purple with the mountains and stuff? That looks so cool, man. Uh, the Pistons lead the Raptors 12-2, to and it's now 12-3 with uh, the, the Raptors shooting some free throws just uh, about five minutes into the first quarter. All right, let's get to Brett Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12. He led off Big 12 media days, speaking for about 50 minutes uh, to the media in kind of three different ways. There was a long uh, opening statement that uh, you know, it was basically a big old flex about what the Big 12 has been doing. We'll get to those in just a moment. Then like a fire a, a fireside chat with Chris Budden. And then finally for the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes-ish, uh, took questions from the media. So going back to that flex, really what Brett Yomark did is just ran down a whole list of accomplishments for the Big 12 in the last 11 months, including jumping the line in the new – TV rights deal with Fox and ESPN through 2031, accelerating the TCU and uh, or the uh, Texas and Oklahoma withdrawal from the Big 12, leaving a year early, getting them out of here. Uh, what else was there? Uh, announcing the Big 12 Pro Day along with the NFL, so teaming up with the NFL to have that event, launching Big 12 Mexico, having a couple of uh, Big 12 games in Mexico, and extending that uh, international footprint. Gained nearly 100,000 New social media followers making the Big 12 the second most Twitter and Instagram followed uh, conference in the nation, uh, announcing the event at historic Rutger Park. That, of course, multiple uh, Big 12 men's and women's basketball coaches um, will be uh, putting on clinics in New York City. And then, of course, connected with leaders in Capitol Hill. And what that means is actually talking about NIL. Here's Brett Yormark. I'm working very closely with my A5 colleagues and Charlie Baker. I have spent time on Capitol Hill. We would like federal legislation uh, to create some uniformity to NIL. Uh, There's 32 states, and in many cases, very different interpretations. So federal preemption of state law is certainly something that's high on the list. And there are other components as well that go along with it. But we are addressing it uh, as an industry and, and in partnership with many of the conferences and the NCA, No surprise there. Conference uh, leaders want, of course, Congress, establish some legislature, get some, uh, get some guidelines mm-hmm. for this NIL thing. Especially with the factor that you now have state laws that are conflicting with what the NCAA wants to do with NIL, or at least as it reads right now. And so you've got it kind of turning into the Wild West in that nobody knows what enforcement's going to look like or how you can even enforce it if the law reads one thing and the NCAA wants to do another. 
And, uh, you know, obviously this was a big thing last year was uh, the Big 12 to get younger, hipper, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, kind of uh, doubling down on that statement from last year was basically Britt Yomark saying, still trying to connect as best as possible with Gen Z. I mean, our student athletes are all Gen Z. Keeping the Big 12 young, keeping the Big 12 hip is by Gen Z talking about the Big 12, sharing things on social media about the Big 12, talking about the Big 12, keeping the word spreading to expand the brand. Uh, Another thing from Brett Yormark is that uh, this was an announcement that the Big 12 will continue to play the football Big 12 championship at AT AT&T Stadium through 2030. And that there will now be a major artist halftime show that will be broadcasted on ABC. That Mm. musical act will be announced on August 12th. There is a new Big 12 commercial that they actually showed twice uh, during uh, his uh, introductory statement. I thought it was okay. Well, apparently they felt that they had the big screen at at Arlington on, so might as well go ahead and play it a couple times. But they didn't play the... uh the, the the Big 12 theme song that was played oh God. Uh, at T-Mobile Center in Kansas City during the Big 12 tournament that we got to hear uh, about 27 times. <laughs> oh, boy. There were a couple of comments because, of course, Brett Yarmark was asked about Texas, Oklahoma, them leaving. What does it mean for the Big 12? Can the Big 12 survive? Will they get by? In, in multiple ways, Brett Yarmark, and this was also a lot of breakout stuff as well, but basically said the conference is bigger than just two schools. And there was a quote as well that Brett Yormark, he was asked about OU and Texas carrying the conference in recruiting, and uh, Yormark said, quote, I don't think they've carried the conference in recruiting. They haven't been to our championship game in the past few years. Yeah, what Oklahoma honk uh, asked that question? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There was a lot of... Uh, You know, steering the direction towards Texas quite Uh a bit today. uh Quite a bit today. Uh, There will be a new Big 12 logo launch next year. We actually knew about that. A lot of people wanted to know about the future of uh, football scheduling, basketball scheduling. Um, He says, I don't have a crystal ball, and that's not figured out yet. So once the uh, Big 12, after Texas and Oklahoma accident, we're down to 12. Not sure yet. Uh, let's Crazy see here. that you have to sort through that basically a second time in as many years. Expansion. Conference expansion. Rumors, rumors, rumors. Ever since the four were added, who's next? Are we going to stick at 14? Are we going to stay at 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leave? What's the deal? <laughs> Here's Brett Yormark. We have a plan for expansion, and I'm not going to really address it today, and hopefully we can execute that plan sooner than later. But as I've always said... I love the composition of this conference right now. Mm -hmm. The excitement the four new members have brought to this conference has been incredible. And if we stay at 12, we're perfectly fine with that. If the opportunity presents itself where there's something that creates value and aligns well with our goals and objectives, then we're certainly going to pursue it. thought I was hearing Coach Tang speak for just a moment. (laughs) Not going to just do anything if it's the right thing to do. Uh, We'll we'll, uh, further... uh investigate and see if they're the right fit or not. If not, we're perfectly fine staying at 12 or, in Jerome uh, Tank's case right now, 11. I love it. Uh, but when it comes to a particular number, as a matter of fact, Kellis Robinette brought this up because you know the, the number 14 has been thrown out a lot. Like once Texas and Oklahoma leave, 
would the Big 12 like to get back to 14? Brett Yormark had kind of made a comment about that with getting to 14. But what Yormark is saying now is they're not exactly chasing a certain number in membership. I do think there's strength in numbers. But I also said we're not chasing a number. And that if and when the opportunity presents itself to stay at 14, um, we'll pursue it. But I did say that, and I backpedaled a little bit. Um, because I, I realize, you know, it's not about chasing a number. It's all about creating value for membership. And we'll see where that takes us. Now, also, and this was pretty big news. This actually might have been the biggest news of Brett Yormark's 50 Minutes. And that was about the Big 12 tournament at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. As you know, this upcoming season, the women's basketball team will also be playing at T-Mobile Center instead of Municipal Auditorium. But at one point, Brett Yarmark had said that we're doubling down on championship locations with football at AT&T Stadium. That's good for the next seven seasons now. Nice. Uh, brought up baseball, brought up uh, softball, softball in OKC, and, uh, and baseball is down in Arlington as well now. Uh, you know, there's a reason why these championships are in these markets, uh, but did not actually mention anything about basketball. So when the Q&A came up with the media, it was asked again, what's the latest on Kansas City and the Big 12 tournament? It was my first time spending significant time in Kansas City. I, I went there with lots of different thoughts, came away hugely impressed. You know, we don't have to share our voice in a market like Kansas City during our basketball championship. If you look at some of the other markets, there's multiple conference championships going on at the same time. And the fan base in and around Kansas City, the community, they really embrace this tournament. Uh, Obviously, next year, our our women's uh, championship moves to T-Mobile, which we're extremely excited about. So when I think about Kansas City now, I, I certainly think about that market and that championship is one that I'd like to double down on. And we are in conversations with you know local officials on extending that agreement as well. That's big news. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's gigantic news that it sounds like the Big 12 tournament is going to stay in Kansas City for the long haul, at least mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, but also to translate a lot of what Yormark said, uh, it sounds like K-State fans bought, uh, bought enough hot dogs to keep it around. <laughs> the, uh, the, the What was it? The cannonball hot dog or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. wrapped in bacon and it gave everybody cotton mouth Oof. and uh, the tacos for Oklahoma State or whatever, the fried corn. Yep. They we all sold it. well. We did it, baby. Great marketing by the Big 12 and it keeps uh, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. But, no, I mean, that's huge news. I mean, I was one of those that were worried about you know, the Big 12 tournament and the conference tournaments, you know, that's when March Madness is really heating up. That's when the ratings for college basketball really start to climb and a lot more eyeballs are on uh, the conference tournaments that, you know, would Brett Yormark be wanting to move the Big 12 tournament to a different market? Uh, Vegas was brought up, New York City, Brooklyn was brought up. Would he be interested in that? And be like, you know, my thought was, I mean, I think he would definitely entertain the idea. Yeah. If it's a great opportunity. But he was impressed enough with the turnout and with how Kansas City just cares so much about the Big 12 tournament that they're looking to keep it there. So uh, that is really big news. Awesome. Uh, let's see. That's it for the Brett Yormark stuff. Uh, a lot of good things. A lot of bragging, a lot of flexing by the commissioner earlier today. And just about every coach that went to the podium talked about Brett Yormark and showed appreciation and about how much they love the direction the conference is moving in. And he's only been on the job a year. Nice. 
Mm-hmm. Let's get it done. Let's go bigger and better. You know who should be the uh, who should be the halftime act for the Big Twelve Championship? Because of course, you know, Casey, it's going to run it back. So a lot of purple going to be in the house. At, at this point, it's got to be Taylor Swift, right? Yeah. T Swift. <laughs> I don't know if the Big Twelve has that kind of money. T Or maybe they could bring in like Luke Combs, who would bring in then Tracy Chapman for like a duet right? of oh, Fast and I. Then- I okay, so I had heard that cover for the first time last night. I didn't, th- I didn't know it existed. I was yeah. like, "Who the hell is singing this? This isn't Tracy Chapman." And then one of my uh, trivia buddies mm-hmm. told me who it was. I was like, "Really? I think I hate it already." <laughs> <laughs> Just because you told me who it was, uh, I don't really know the guy, but I know it's Bro Country, probably. Yeah, you know what? He doesn't do a bad job. He can sing. He can really sing. Um. I just I love that song. I will always like it. Doesn't matter who sings it; it it's instantly stuck in my mind. I love that song. You want to give us a couple uh, couple no. of lines? Yeah, go ahead. He's gonna face her. Tuesday's gonna do it. Do it. Troy's got a face South Park version. Yeah. Well, I was thinking South Park. It sounded like South Park for a second. Do gonna do. Troy's got a diet coke. I, I was like, die. Oh, there's a T on the end of that. Oh, Texas coach Steve Sarkeesian coming up next. The game. We continue coverage of Big 12 Media Days. Day one here on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Travion Berkland, all in studio. Harder edge song coming back than you would expect for who the next comments are from. Steve Sarkeesian can't be hard-hitting? Yeah, I don't think that he's much of a heavy metal guy, no. <laughs> if I was at Big 12 Media Days, I'd ask him. Yeah, hey, what's I, the story? If, if you remember my yes. uh, my yes. interviews from Big 12 Media Day for basketball, talking to the head coaches of the interviews I sent you, there was a little talk, there was a little shot talk, uh-huh. but there was also like random questions like ask us anything type of question just to ask him something different. Something fun just to get some reaction out of them because they're getting asked the same questions over and over and over. But maybe Steve Sarkeesian is being asked questions he hasn't been asked before. If there is a consistent story of the Texas Longhorns, it's not meeting expectations. And now they find themselves with the highest expectations they've had in 11 years. And that is win the Big 12 championship. The last time that it happened was 11 years ago when K-State won the Big 12 championship, not Texas. Texas finishes in third place. K-State, of course, picked to finish second. The media believes it's going to be Texas and K-State for the Big 12 championship December 2nd at AT AT&T Stadium, where Big 12 media days taking place. And like K-State, Texas has five players on the all-Big 12 preseason team. Jalen Ford has been projected to be the defensive player of the year. Xavier Worthy, a wide receiver. Uh, Jatavion Sanders is a tight end, and he got picked up. Kelvin Banks on the offensive line. And then defensively, Byron Murphy on the defensive line and Jalen Ford again for Texas at linebacker. Texas has... A ton of talent. And it did not surprise me whatsoever to see that the Longhorns are picked to finish first in the Big 12, receiving 41 first-place votes and K-State getting 14. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine with Texas, 
having 41 first place votes, those are votes coming from all over Big 12 country. Everybody else that received first place votes, a lot of that, the majority of it has to be from its local media. There's a ton of respect for this Texas team around the conference, but at the same time, I would imagine when it comes to just fans of the sport, there's more doubters than believers. For sure. Because it's Texas and because they're picked to win the thing and maybe make a big-time postseason run to a Final Four or something. I don't think they're that good, but I do think they're pretty good. Let's hear from the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, and his name, as I try to find my audio clip, is Steve Sarkeesian. Do you expect the season at all to be awkward, um, just kind of going through it with the SEC talk and your exit? It won't be awkward for us. You know, I can't speak for anybody else. It, it won't be awkward for us. You know, we've got a, a roster full of players who, quite frankly, came to the University of Texas to try to win a Big 12 championship. And we've got one more opportunity to do that. And I think our guys are focused on that. And so it won't be awkward from our end. But like I said, I can't speak for everybody else. Quinn went out of his way to tell us in the spring that he was not happy with how he played overall last season. Uh, what did that say to you about his leadership? And how is he handling all the expectations? He's uh, projected already as a first-round pick next spring. Well, I think a couple things about Quinn that, that stood out to me from last year as you go back and kind of assess last season. He came back from the, for the OU game coming off the injury and had a really good football game. And you go, you go read about the quotes that he had after that game. All he did was praise his teammates for how well they played. And then you look at him after we, we don't play great against Oklahoma State and, and we suffer a loss and he took all the blame. And so I think right then you found out the type of leader that he is. And uh, what he did coming into this offseason is continue just to pour into what does he need to do to be the best quarterback for the University of Texas. And the result of that is we've seen his body composition change. We've seen a level of maturity change. We've seen him really dialing in and understanding schematically what we're trying to do offensively change. Uh, we've seen him, uh, from a morale standpoint, speaking up in team meetings, speaking up on the field from a work ethic standpoint. And I think he's earned, he's earned the respect of his teammates throughout this time and throughout this process. Uh, what I do know is he's extremely talented. Uh, there's not a throw he can't make. He's got a very high football IQ. Um, and if things go the way we think they can go, the pundits are probably right. He is a first-round draft pick quarterback. So last week, did it surprise you that Texas was picked atop the preseason media poll to win it? And do you feel that's going to be more added pressure on you to deliver in year three in the program's final year in the Big 12? I don't know what the, I don't know what surprises me. I don't know what you guys do at night, man. So you guys are the one that decide who who gets picked where. Quite frankly, and it, it and not to take anything away from me, it doesn't really matter, right? It's how we play and, and what we do. Um, what I do know is I chose to be the head coach of the University of Texas, and our players chose to come to the University of Texas. With that comes responsibility and the expectations that come with that. So we don't shy away from that. We accept it. We have to acknowledge it, all right? And then we push it to the side, and then we get back to the daily grind of what we need to do. And um, I think we've got a mature enough team to, to respect what you guys think of us. Uh, but at the end of the day, now we have to go back to work. Expectations are just that. What will ultimately define us is how we play on Saturdays, and that's what we got to focus on. Coach, you've talked about the success of Quinn but it all boils down to, to the offensive line. 
have, have you gotten them to a two-depth situation? And defensively, are they in the same upward pattern? Well, I love what we bring back on the offensive line. Uh, you know, last year we started two true freshmen on the offensive line. Kelvin Banks was a freshman All-American at left tackle, had a great year, Cole Hudson at right guard. But we're bringing back all starting five offensive linemen. We've recruited the position well over the last two years, and it's a highly competitive room. We have guys vying for starting spots right now that didn't start a year ago, and that's exactly what we want. We've got healthy competition, and they have to go against a really good defensive front. When you, when you talk about Byron Murphy, Trevondre Sweat, uh, Alfred Collins, uh, the, the addition of Trill Carter from Minnesota, Baron Sorrell. Uh, we've got a really good defensive front that our offensive line has to block every day uh, in practice. Um, but I'm with you, man. You win football games up front, and you got to recruit big humans to make that happen, and that's something that we've, we've committed ourselves to doing over the last two years and we will continue to commit ourselves to. Once again, that's Texas uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian. His team picked to finish first in the last year that Texas will be in the Big 12. It's funny hearing all the questions about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 and, and just getting the, well, is it going to be weird or things like Well, I mean, they're just they're, they're there to coach games. I don't think it's going to be that awkward. Um, it's more on just the university itself that, yeah, yeah it might be a little mm-hmm. bit awkward, but I think the Big 12 is ready for them to get going, and so is Texas and Oklahoma. They're ready to go make some more money and lose some games in the <laughs> SEC. But, you know – for as strong as Texas is, I, I, I do actually, for the first time in probably a decade, believe in this team. I really do. And that's without B. John Robinson, and that might be just the, the only question mark on that Texas offensive side of the football is, well, now they're going to have a battle for who's going to be the starting running back, and it might be a rotation of two or three guys. And it's going to be young guys. I think right now on their three deep, they have a sophomore, they have a sophomore, and a freshman. Uh, potentially on that running back rotation, maybe a senior. I don't. Keelan Robinson. I don't know what his status is quite yet, but Texas is going to be very loaded at wide receiver. Yeah, uh, can't go wrong at quarterback. Quinn Ewers. Uh, looking for him to be better. Of course, he wasn't best in the Big Twelve. He wasn't top three in the Big Twelve, but he was decent for sure. Um, and then the offensive line. I mean, that goes without saying. It's one of the best offensive lines in the country. And they're going to do their job. Can the running backs also do their job? Texas runs the ball. They're going to win some games. Um, how good will the running game be? That remains to be seen. And meanwhile, the defense, like, I feel like the defense could be just as good as last year. That was a pretty solid defense. Secondary has some question marks. Linebackers really looking really good. And, I mean, the, the defensive line looks like a rock. So maybe a few question marks, but not really any to, like, go 10 minutes about. I just – I still think they're going to be good. Yeah, there is there is what you expect out of Texas talent-wise. There is no doubt about that. And when you return a guy who was among the conference leaders in tackles and is set to be the defensive player of the year in the conference. Jalen Ford. I mean, it's uh, it, you, you can't help but recognize that they really should be the team right there with K-State. And, and to me, you almost could do a flip them. Because I, mean, I think from a talent standpoint, Texas w- would have that ability to, to lay claim to it. K-State's got the experience. And that's where I think things get interesting then between the two of them. 
Texas is that one team that Coach Kleiman just hasn't caught yet. Mm-hmm. Just hasn't been able to defeat him, and if he's going to do it, it's going to have to take place in Austin. Had him where we wanted him last year, man. I mean, that and going to that game was such a difference. I mean, the first half, you're like, they're going to score 600 points on us. And then to come all the way back yeah. and get that Get within close. a score, yeah. Oh. Seven-point game, and then Texas kicks a field goal, and... It's too little too late at that point. Yeah. And that came right after K-State just throttled Oklahoma State. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and felt really good about where they were at that point. Hey, we've gotten back on track. We're off and running. And then Texas came in and just slammed the door. Well, and truly it was a pivotal game for Texas because they needed a win to control their right. destiny. Yeah. Yeah. K-State wins. They control their own destiny heading to the final handful of games. Uh, left in the regular season because I think left was uh, a trip to West Virginia and Waco, and then mm-hmm. you had KU at home. Right. So you felt good about those last three. Well, K-State lost, so they needed Texas to lose a game to help have that control again. TCU doing K-State a favor. Maybe that was uh, the wrong thing to do. Maybe TCU should have taken an L there. Yeah. And so they get a rematch with Texas in Arlington, and maybe they actually have a shot. Nah, that's all right. Nah, that's whatever. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. We're going to f- hear from our final coach from day one. As I, I didn't, whatever I said just didn't make sense. <laughs> when, I, uh, when we come back, Oklahoma State's Mike Gunny is opinionated as ever. Up next. We are back on the game, continuing day one of Big 12 Media Day's coverage on KMAN as we got one more head coach to hear from, and that will be the 19th year head coach, Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State. And man, that that team not meet expectations last year. Um, the dean of Big 12 coaches, by the way, with the 19 years. Who would have ever thought? Yeah, right. 19 years. Wow. Mike Gundy talked to the media earlier today during Big 12 Media Days, and I wasn't surprised to see the media throw a lot of different topics out there. As a matter of fact, he got questions that nobody else got today. So let's just get to the audio right now. Here is Mike Gundy uh, from earlier today. There was a lot of talk about the culture in your locker room last year and what led to kind of some of the player defections after the season. What do you attribute that to? I attribute to the times. We can look across the country in the portal. We've got players that are playing on national championship teams that are leaving and going to other schools. We have players that are leaving after one year, players that are leaving after five years. For a while there, I thought it was interesting, you know, but I'm, I'm almost considering the NIL and the portal like religion and politics where it's not even worth discussing because we don't necessarily have a rhyme or reason for what's happening. But um, we're very excited about the players that we brought in. And I guess, you know, you you have 10 or 12 go out, you bring 10 or 12 in and, and you get your roster set and try to have a good spring ball, good summer, and get ready to play in September touched on the clock rules and uh, back in spring we talked to you about some of the things you're doing with the uh, the run game to uh, get that back on track like you had uh, a few years back do those two things work together at all in in terms of trying to improve your run game and and have that ability late in a game the clock rules play a factor in ability to run as you know and the 
I'm guessing most everybody realizes that at the end of the game, if, if you can't rush the ball and you have to throw passes and the pass is incomplete, the clock stops if you're trying to run the clock out. And the new rule allows us to effectively rush the ball and use the clock if we want to. So the decisions that we made to, to implement uh, and, and improve our running game were before they actually solidified the new clock rule. And the reason for that was we played with inexperienced quarterbacks in the latter part of the season and our inability to rush the football put the game on their shoulders. And I wasn't comfortable with that. Years ago, we had inexperienced quarterbacks and we were a good running football team and we could still effectively score points and win games. And so uh, that reason led to allocating more time in rushing the football. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel. We went through a period of time from 2010 up until uh, 2021, I guess, was the year we played in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, where we're running up massive numbers of yards and points. And so as you do that, or as we did that, we slowly but surely got away from some of the things that we instilled in our program in the basic my first four years, four, first four or five years as head coach. And I, and I was along for the ride, so it's not like it was on them. But we now have kind of migrated back to these are things we need to do to be successful. And then if we have this luxury with having these other areas, we're still skilled on the perimeter, we're healthy up front, we're very experienced at quarterback. Yeah, we can do anything we want throwing the ball. And so that's more of a reason why we move back to allocating more time in the running game than we have over the last eight or ten years. Obviously, you said back in the spring that this quarterback competition was going to carry over into the summer. Is there anything new you can share about that at this moment? Not really, Dean. Um, they've, they've worked hard. They're, they're out there. We're rotating guys with ones, twos, threes. They're getting a lot of work. We'll run this thing through half of fall camp, somewhere in that area. And if we feel like we know what direction we want to go, I'm going to be for making that decision at that time. If we don't feel like we know, then we won't make that decision. So I, I can't really tell you right now, and nothing's really changed over the summer because they're essentially training on their own. The Bedlam game is going to be laid to rest, obviously, because of the happenings. But would you entertain the idea from your perspective and o Oklahoma State to play them as a non-conference game? No. We have nine um, conference games scheduled, and then we have, I think, through – I don't know, 15 years, we're scheduled all the way up and we're full for the most part and we have power five teams. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Oklahoma State's not going to change what you do because Oklahoma chose to go to the SEC. They need to change what they do because they're the ones that made their mind up to go to the SEC. So with all the talk from administration and people saying that Oklahoma State needs to do this and that, all Oklahoma had to do was not go to the SEC. So it is what it is. We can cut right to the choice. So for me, I want to listen to the board. I'll listen to the president. I'll listen to the AD. If that's something they want to do, I'm good. But I don't think it's going to happen based on the way the scheduling is. Quite simple there from Mike Gundy, the old bedlam, that whole thing going away, no more rivalry with Oklahoma. He's like, that's on those jabronis in Norman, not on this guy, not on Oklahoma State. Their choices, it's whatever. We're moving on. Uh, meanwhile, he brought up the clock rule and about how that's going to affect they run the football. 
if you don't remember, the clock rule is in college football, and Troy, you might double-check me on this one. I'm pretty sure it's that uh, moving forward, they're not going to stop the clock on first downs. That is correct. And It'll be momentarily, but uh, but effectively it's going to be picked up much quicker than what it had. In other words, it's hustle, chain crew, get into place and go. Um. Now, I mean, when it comes to running the football, though, I don't know if we're going to have really anybody that good to run the football. they got a couple of guys with a little bit of experience. They're used to being second and third string on the rosters. Gunny did not address that in the transfer portal. Um, Now, the quarterback situation was brought up. So what that is is Garrett Rangel, who's a returner, but was, of course, not a starter last year until, of course, Spencer Sanders goes down with an injury. And then you have Alan Bowman, who transferred in from Michigan, I'm not a huge Alan Bowman fan, really. Uh, he played his best football when he was a freshman. When he was a freshman starting at Texas Tech. He gets hurt in year two, but he wasn't that solid that year when he was playing. Comes back, starts again for Tech his junior year. Not as sharp as he was his freshman year. And then transfers from Texas Tech, plays two years at Michigan. He rode the bench for two years. J.J. McCarthy was the guy. Not Alan Bowman. So now he comes to Oklahoma State and hasn't hardly played any football the last couple of years. Really, three of the last four years has not played hardly any football. And now it's his sixth year at the college level. I don't know. I I understand that Oklahoma State's going to be, they're going to have a decent amount of solid wide receivers. I don't know about that running back core. I'm not a really big believer in it. And some question marks on the offensive line. And meanwhile, defensively, that secondary is awful. They lost Mason Cobb, their best pass rusher, their best linebacker. Arguably their best player is now at USC. Plus, Spencer Sanders is now at Ole Miss. I mean, they Dominic Richardson, he's now at Baylor. I mean, they got eaten up when it comes to the starters. They got eaten up by the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. They really did. And I don't think they responded as well as they should have. By replacing that talent. No, when your when your response to hey, what do you what do you think about this transfer portal business is to bury your head in the sand and go, oh, it's these kids these days. I I think that's lazy. You need to hire some people that do get it and who are willing to put the time in instead of throwing up your hands and being like a kind of crybaby about it. Honestly, though, that's where uh, Dabo Sweeney got in trouble with Clemson. Two years ago, talking about the fact that, uh, you know, it, the, the transfer portal wasn't a thing for them. Well, his team regressed last year yeah. in a big way because it didn't have solid quarterback play and had not participated at all in, in looking at potential guys in the transfer portal right. and other teams passed them by. This offseason, a little more activity in the portal for Dabo. We'll see what happens there. You have to. And you have to. You, yeah. you have to. And it, it's also, though, why some of the uh, guys that are longtime coaches in basketball have decided to call it quits because they just don't, don't, don't feel like that that's a, a game that they want to play anymore. And by the way, uh, Mike Gundy has, has hired a new defensive coordinator, his name is Bryant Nardu or Nardo, uh, where he was hired from a D2 school called Gannon University in Pennsylvania. Here was a, uh, a review of this hiring. It's a little paragraph here. Gannon improved by leaps and bounds, but didn't take the ball away enough while at Gannon University, was mediocre on third downs, 
and it got into the backfield with an ultra-aggressive style. This year's Cowboys defense is about to be very, 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 very interesting, but dot, dot, dot. That's where it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> interesting. That's a way of putting it. Who, who's, who, where's Maybe the connection? Maybe be polite. Where's yeah. the connection? Yeah. Whose brother are you? Mr. What's his name? Garrett Nardu. Garrett Nardu. N a r d o is the last know, name. Bryant is his last his first name. Speaking of Spencer Sanders and Alan Bowman, I'm sick of guys who came in to college at the same time Jared Goff did, still <laughs> playing ball. Go home, dude. It's <laughs> over, man. Leave. Don't do this anymore, man. You. This is embarrassing. If Alan Bowman doesn't throw for 4,000 yards, like, what a waste. Well, listen, he's getting some NIL money. Oh, he He's is. either this or go sell insurance. For I, sure. Might as well strap it on one more time. Could be that he's getting the NIL money from an insurance company, too. Yeah. For yeah. That <laughs> well, they're going to need it, insurance money, because he's going to get benched uh, at some point. That or sell some cars. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Travion? Should we just uh, get out when we need to get out? All right. If Deej is ready. I'm ready. I'm All always right. ready. By the way, um, last we checked, like Toronto in the summer league game was losing by twelve, and now they're up. Tw- now they're up twelve. Get ready to head to the half. We need a Marquise Noel update. He's, he probably led this charge. Yeah, he went off for like fifty-four points. Um, would you rather Wednesday? Today's uh, etch a sketch day. Uh, would you rather only use an etch a sketch to write things down, or when you meet someone new, you have to talk to them using a puppet? Oh God. And like not like a fancy puppet, but like a little uh, hand puppet. Puppet. Etch a sketch is like it just takes way too long. It does. It it, does. That would that would be uh, a gigantic chore. Yeah, that that would be awful. Have I could be goofy and, re- and talk you, with a puppet. Have you seen some of these like etch a sketches, like the good ones? A guy did um, the Last Supper. He he drew. Oh jeez. Uh, two points, three assists. Oh yeah. Marquise, I thought you'd be the man. Fifteen minutes of play. Uh, hey, not bad. Not bad. He's been up and down. Yeah. Um. Hey. Uh. Yesterday, talking to animals. Uh. What animal are you terrified of? Or is there an animal that freaks you out, creeps you out? Honestly, creeps me out. Like I don't want to hold snakes. I can be around them. I just don't want to hold them. To be terrified of, honestly, like if I was in a bear encounter. Oh, yeah. Like, let's pretend I'm fishing, I'm at a river, I'm in oh, the mountains, God. and here comes a brown bear. I'm like, good God. See ya. You ever seen that HD video, the 4K video of two bears like fighting each other? Yes. It's terrifying. Those guys are crazy. Absolutely. For territory? No. Uh, I don't know that I would say terrified, but I, I do get creeped out by snakes as well. Yeah. yeah I do I not guess. want to run into a polar bear. No. Polar bears are so vicious. I, mean. I, I get freaked out by stingrays. <laughs> After my boy, you know, like all oh, those yeah, years Steve ago. Oh, yeah, Steve Irwin, yeah. It's just like, they just look scary and weird, and then they can kill you, and it's just gross. Travion? What are you afraid of? What animal? I don't really know. I'm not like... Freaked out by like when someone is like, "Hey, here's a spider." You don't go, Ugh. "No." You're like, Ooh. "I had a science teacher that had a tarantula, and he would always bring it out, and everyone would freak out, and I'd be like, "Oh, cool," and let it like crawl on my arm. Ah, snakes. You're okay with those? They don't really freak me out. What about no. that? Um, 
What about like a bird? Any birds freak you out? Birds are kind of creepy. Yeah, I, I don't know. What about a fish? A gar? No. A I gar. mean, a shark is scary, I guess. Got some gar up by Clay Center. <laughs> oh, man. I remember Did fishing you see... in a creek, and they were just all over the place. Oh, Did yeah. you see that video of that shark that was, like, next? Oh, I saw it on the news. I can't remember where it was at. Oh, by the was... Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. No, Travion, I know what you're talking about, yeah. but he is also correct. The Undertaker, like, fends off a shark from, like, getting his wife. Well, just basically stands between the shark and his wife and just stands there like the dead man and intimidates the shark to to go away, and then the shark comes back, Taker picks it up, spiked tombstone, and all of a sudden it's a hammerhead shark. Flattened it. That did not happen. Oh, my God. All right, we got to bounce day two tomorrow. We're going to hear from Chris Kleiman. He'll lead off Big 12 Media Days tomorrow just after 9 o'clock. Trey, Troy, Deej, Mitch, go Cats.